Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Hey, join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. Hey. (laughs) You can't do that. Only I can do that. I don't think I can get away with it. Um, So, today... We are continuing our back-to-school set of reviews. Yep. And we're looking at The Magic School Bus, which you can find on Netflix. On Netflix, you can find the original series, at least the first season of it, and also um, one of the reboot series with uh, Kate McKinnon. So that's what we're going to look at today. And before we get into talking about The Magic School Bus... It's time for our non-sponsored snack review segment. And today, we have what might seem to not connect at all to Magic School Bus, but there is a connection, and that is... The Charleston Chew. The Charleston Chew. Now, we've got strawberry with us today. Yes. Because that's the kind that Steve and I like best. best. (laughs) So, Steve, while you taste yours, I'll give some fun facts and history about about our candy treat today. So this is an interesting story. You know, a lot of these candies, this it's like a candy company that started kind of as an independent thing and they made like one candy that was a hit, you know, with a yep. lot of the things we've reviewed and that's the case here as well. So there's this Shakespearean actor. <laughs> I didn't think I'd start this segment that way. Okay. But there's a Shakespearean actor named Donnelly Cross. And he lived in San Francisco in the early 1900s. He fell off the stage. And it basically ended his acting career. But he loved candy. And so he thought, I, I want to do what I love. If I can't act, I'll make candy. Would you say that he went and broke a leg? I would say he definitely broke a leg. Yes. Um, poss- well, and possibly, really, he, he broke his back. Well, it's not the same, though. You're really- I know. <laughs> well, somebody probably wished him luck in Macbeth or something. Yeah, they were like, hey, break a back. And he was like, what? That's not the same. Um, so he and his friend uh, Charlie Fox opened this Fox Cross Candy Company in 1920. And it took them a couple years to get this hit candy they named it after the charleston which was a popular dance in the 20s obviously and the original was just the vanilla nougat with the chocolate over the top of it um and it did really well and then this guy nathan sloan he takes over the company in 1957 the original people i'm guessing retired by that point Mm And he's the one who really takes the brand to the next level. So he introduces chocolate and strawberry flavors. He keeps the recipe the same, but just adds the flavoring. Okay. And then also, and this is to me kind of gross, but at one time he also had banana, grape, and cherry. Well, grape doesn't sound bad. I don't want a banana Charleston shoe. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people do frozen, like, chocolate-covered bananas. So, that's a good point. And that ties in to why I kind of picked this for today. Mm-hmm. Because he, he, this is in the 70s, they called it Charleston Crack. So, I want to just be clear that this is before Crack the Drug. Before Crack Cocaine. Right. Big um, 
Yeah, which we which we talked about in our bonus episode, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Um, but yeah, before crack the drug, and the reason that they called it Charleston crack was because they encouraged people to freeze the candy bar yeah. and then whack it on Still a, says freeze me on the yeah. package. And then you'd whack it on a countertop and then um and that was the crack. It would crack and then you'd You'd eat it frozen, okay. apparently. So the interesting thing to me, because we're talking about Magic School Bus and the original version of Magic School Bus is all about learning about science, right? Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is this is the first candy or snack that we've come across that is used in like PhD level science courses. Really? Or at least upper level physics classes. Okay. And it's used in the study of... Rheology, which is a, a part of geology, and that it, it's a branch of physics, but it's connected to geology. Okay. And it deals with the deformation and flow of matter, um, and the flow of like liquids and plastic flow of solids. Okay. And so what they apparently do, and I did find like a peer-reviewed study about Charleston Chew, which I just think is hilarious, mm-hmm. but apparently what they do is... They gave um, different forms of the candy bar to students. So one that had been heated up, one that had been at room temperature, one that had been frozen. And they do experiments with a triaxle compression apparatus specifically made for the dimensions of Charleston Chew Bar. Okay. So they use this so much. They have an apparatus. I feel like a bunch of grad students just wanted to have Charleston Chews and now they had to... But then, like, they got caught, and they were like, no, it's legit. So then they had to make, like, an apparatus and all of these experiments to back up just having candy in the lab. It's possible. So they look at the environmental variables, and they model it for extreme conditions, like the cold and the hot. And they look at how it the matter flows, basically, the nougat, and how it fractals, how it comes apart. Um, and then a bunch of other sciencey stuff that I'm not going to read because okay. then I'd have to look it up to explain it. But it's like material strength, ability to fracture, that kind of thing. Interesting. And um, yeah, they've been using it apparently for geology classes for a while. This is the the article that I found was from 2004. And from what I can tell, they're still kind of doing these types of experiments to teach this to geology students and physics students. So I All think right. that's kind of fun. Right? I mean, if that's your definition, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, like, so to, to tie in, I don't really have memories of Charleston Chew other than the fact that, like, when I could find it, I was really happy. It's a hard candy bar to find. Well, especially the strawberry. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I care about the vanilla or the chocolate. We can maybe try them a different day. But I had a science class one time that was consumer chemistry, and we took different potato chips and broke them down chemically and then looked at which kinds had the most fat and whether or not the labels were accurate. Okay. And it was like the only chemistry class that I actually liked because we did fun stuff like that. We also looked at shampoo and figured out like which one actually cleaned your hair best um, and things like that. So, Interesting. yeah. So my, this would have been fun if I had chem- Charleston My shoot. chemistry class was fun too, but I had a chemistry teacher... That blew things up so much there was a blast shield in her classroom permanently. <laughs> in high school? Yeah. Yeah, my class I'm talking about was in college, but Oh. Yeah. My my high school chemistry class was kind of a 
The only thing I remember from my high school chemistry class is that that's where I was when the OJ verdict was read. Oh, God. And they wheeled TVs into the chemistry classroom for us to watch the OJ Simpson verdict. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, at any rate, um, I really like the strawberry on a scale of one to five, I guess. I guess we can look at buses. It's Magic School Bus. That's kind of on the nose, but we use one out of five for our snack, one out of ten for the show or movie, and um, we just pick whatever random thing is kind of connected. Right. So, out of five, Charleston Chew Strawberry. What are you? Well, you know, it's pretty good. For those people who have never had a Charleston Chew, I mean, it's a long bar of strawberry nougat, I guess you'd call Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Covered in chocolate. It's pretty good. Or the vanilla or chocolate, obviously. The vanilla Charleston Chew I don't think is bad either. The chocolate one's not bad, but it's very chocolate. Because mm. chocolate covered in chocolate is a lot of chocolate. Yeah. This isn't like the nougat that you get in like a Snickers bar. No, this is more almost taffy-ish. Yeah, of. or like a, a very, yeah, taffy or I was going to say meringue. It's mm. like a strawberry meringue that's taffy consistency. It's very interesting. Yeah. Either way, I do like it. I like strawberry flavoring and i like chocolate so i would give it and it's it's a quick snack you don't have to wait for it you know how important that is to you me you have to chew it a lot though it's, yeah, it's very already. chewy okay but it's already in my mouth at that point that's true so i'm gonna say um i'm gonna give it a four four buses out of five i'm gonna give it a four as well nice i find it quite delightful not my favorite favorite but i like it it's enjoyable i would if i could find it i'd have another one I had to get this one at a like specialty candy shop for yeah. us, but yeah, and it's used in science experiments, so you can't yeah. beat that. So, yeah. four, four out, out of five, five buses. buses. Four out of five buses for the snack, and now we come to the magic school bus. Steve, can you give us a summary of what the magic school bus is about? It's a cartoon this week. Sure. The Magic School Bus was a cartoon that was basically kind of educational, right? It was about a small group of kids, like six to eight, um, and their teacher, Miss Frizzle, and she would take them on field trips that would become outrageous. They would go like into space, into the human body, under the ocean, because the school bus that they would get in um, was magic, and it could transform into submarines or space shuttles or planes or what or rafts or whatever and she would basically take them on a trip um that would be applicable to whatever they were studying at the time right and so like in the the first episode we're talking about was about space so they went out into the solar system um and then they would get firsthand kind of knowledge of uh the actual stuff that was going on and then at the end they would always wrap it up with um supposed kids calling in um, to the producer and saying what they got wrong. To complain. Like, you know, (laughs) they could never go into space because they wouldn't be able to breathe. And they they would be like, yep, that's true. And they would kind of correct the science, um, which was another learning opportunity, Mm -hmm. which I think was kind of neat as well. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, usually it was just they would face some kind of challenges, obviously, but nothing major. And then they would overcome it and be done. And it was a half-hour show, so... You know, it goes by fairly quickly. Yeah, that's true. So the history of this is interesting. You know, we looked at Reading Rainbow. One of the reasons we picked this is because they did an episode of Magic School Bus for Reading Rainbow. 
before it was a TV series. When it was a book? Yeah, the book started to come out in 1985. Um, And the way that this happened, you know, it's interesting because a lot of books are led by an author has an idea and they um, write a book and then they pitch it, right, Mm -hmm. to... um, an agent or sometimes directly to a publisher. In this case, what basically happened is that um, we have Craig Walker, who was the vice president and the editorial director at Scholastic. And, you know, Scholastic, I remember those book fairs. Scholastic book fairs were awesome. Amazing. They had their finger on the pulse of like what was going on, what parents wanted, what kids wanted in terms of books. And a lot of their books were educational, Mm -hmm. right? So what he found was that a lot of um, teachers wanted more fun ways to talk about science and to teach science. And that a lot of parents wanted their kids to be interested in science um, and particularly minority parents. Mm -hmm. So people who um, had kids who were, you know, Hispanic or African-American or Asian-American that they didn't see as much representation there. And so he basically said, like, you know, look, we need some more diverse books and diverse representation. But also, you know, when you think about, like, history, there are a ton of books that are, like, historical fiction and they make history kind of come to life and be fun. Right? And they didn't have as much in terms of science. So he approached Joanna Cole and she had written some science books and also some humorous books. And then Bruce Degen, who did um, the illustrations, and he kind of gave them this task to, to come up with a series of books. So the first one was published in 1986, and that was The Magic School Bus at the Waterworks. And then they had Inside the Earth, Inside the Human Body, Lost in the Solar System, On the Ocean Floor. Um, and then eventually they had chapter books, which were... Um, Written by ghostwriters, okay. basically. And then they had um, Scholastic Reader Level 2, um, which are, you know, Scholastic tried to have things like Level 1, Level 2, Level 3. Right. Difficulty for, for kids. And they had a ton of those. Then later on, they had um, Science Fact Finder books. They had a Liz series based on the lizard. Uh-huh. Um, they had Miss Frizzled Adventure. They had TV tie-in books. I can see chapter books being a, a natural progression, but I feel like picture books for this type of thing would have been better right they started with that because the nature of like the fantastic stuff they're doing yeah like i feel like it's visual right yeah and they're really written for kids ages six to nine but what the reason that they had the chapter books i think is because they also had nonfiction companions to the series okay and those were really popular with homeschool kids especially so they do kind of or and also schools that do project-based learning Right. So right. you'd read the chapter book, and then you had the nonfiction companion, and then you could do more research, and then you could do a project. Yeah. Well, also, your the kids that were fans of it that did all the picture books, as they got older, you could probably keep that fan base, but trying to progress it to the next developmental stage, right? Right. They're reading chapter books now. So they, I could see where those chapter books might sell because the kids already got hooked on the picture books. So they they know what it looks like. They have those idea in their head. So reading the chapter books 
just kind of would make sense to them already. Yeah, I think you're right. It's like it's supposed to be like your audience is aging up. And then, of course, they aged up. They could watch the show or start, you know, doing lessons like you were saying where they use the science component, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like a jumping off point. So the show actually started in 1994. Um, It ran through 1997. Um, It featured the voice talent of Lily Tomlin as Miss Frizzle, the teacher who takes the students on the field trips, and the theme song is performed by Little Richard. Really? Yes, which I did not realize until Okay, now. that's pretty interesting. And another voice actor is Malcolm Jamal Warner, who does the phone calls at the end. He does the producer, yeah. Yes, and you might know him better as being Theo from The Cosby Show. Yep. A show we will never talk about on this show, except to say, Theo from The Cosby Show. It's as much commentary as we're going to do on that. What's interesting is that after they did the series on PBS, it kind of ran through um, for another couple of years in like syndication, basically. Mm -hmm. But then they took it off to make more room for preschool programming. And I, to me, that's kind of a mistake because there aren't a lot of shows anymore for... Young elementary. Yeah, elementary kids who are past that preschool stage. Like your K to 2, K to 2nd grade area. Yeah, or even like into 3rd and 4th. Yeah. Because this is, to me, like the same age range as like a lot of the other 80s, 90s cartoons we talk about. Like Alvin and the Chipmunks and, um, you know, Muppet Babies, which was another kind of educational-ish show um, or whatever. So then it kind of bounced around to different networks. It was on Fox Kids. It was on Discovery Kids, um, TLC for a little bit, Nickelodeon for a little bit, Cartoon Network. It just kind of went all over the place. Okay. In syndication wise. Yeah. And then they did a couple reboot series. They did one where Ms. Frizzle has a watch and she talks about social studies and history instead of science. Okay. They have another one, um, The Magic School Bus Rides Again, and that one features um, Kate McKinnon. They did a couple seasons of that on Netflix, and then they also had a few specials on Netflix as well. Okay. From 2018 to 2020, and I'm guessing that with the pandemic that the production of that maybe got put on hold. So I don't know if they're going to bring it back again or, you know, what what have you. Right. Although the great thing about animation is that pandemic doesn't hit it as much because you can put a, a voice actor in a sound studio by themselves. You can, but you can't have an animator by themselves typically. It's That's like true. a team, I think. So um, I'm sorry if you can hear our dog in the background. She's really wanting some attention from us. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of the history and fun facts about Magic School Bus. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about our memories or lack thereof, and we'll talk about field trips. Yeah. So, and so don't change that podcast channel. Don't change the podcast channel. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. 
And now back to the show. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Still with us. Still with us. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. And we're talking all things Magic School Bus. So, I know you don't, you never saw this show before. I never saw Magic School Bus. That's astounding. Not really, because it came out in 94. I was a junior in high school. So, yeah, that's interesting. I was not my age group or even something I would have noticed, really. Yeah, because, so I read the books as, like, a kid. Okay. Like, the first few. Um, and I really enjoyed them. They they didn't have them very often. And I don't know if I got them in a Scholastic Book Fair. It's possible. You know, for, like, you know, a special where they had them, like, 99 cents or $1.99 or something. Um, but I really liked them. And I actually remembered it from reading Rainbow. But then the show came out when I was babysitting. Because by 94, I was like 13. Okay, I was so you, had, you were babysitting so, for kids watching. It. Yes. That makes sense. And I freaking loved it. I was like, oh, you're watching Magic? Sure, you can watch Magic School Bus. I was like, put on that Magic School Bus. I will watch the crap Gotcha, out of that it. makes sense. Later on, it, I I babysat for a little bit for, some, for somebody who watched Victorious. Oh. So I watched that a little bit. And Wizards of Waverly Place. That was much later. Yeah. But that's kind of, yeah. So this, I, this show and Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, I never watched that. Oh I mean, I'm gosh. aware of what it is, but I never watched it really, yeah. the kid, And also, it is, as a Christian babysitter, um, a lot of Veggie Tales. But yeah. That I watched when I was like 18 because I was babysitting Right, kids. right. Um, but at any rate, yeah, so I just really, the books especially, I just thought were really fun. They do, and I mentioned this in our last episode, there's this, I don't think they have it anymore, but they had a ride at Disney World called Body Wars. And they had a similar thing called Star Tours that was like, you get in a thing and it, it shakes you and you have a screen and like... It feels like you're in Star Wars, right? right. And Body Wars was kind of similar, but is that at Epcot? Body Wars might be it seems at Epcot. Like, Epcot was kind of educational stuff. Yeah, that makes sense actually. And it it was a lot like um, the the movie later on Inside Out that they did. Yeah, where yeah. you're in somebody's body and you're feeling their emotions. But yeah. this was um, you go inside somebody's body and the red blood cells are like whooshing past you. It was yeah. very similar to the, the episode Even we watched. What this reminded me of was that episode specifically you're talking about reminded me of the movie Inner Space. Yes. With Dennis Quaid. And Meg Ryan. Yes. And Martin Short. Oh, yeah. Martin Short yeah. was the guy they were in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so we don't have too many memories of the show. What is... Your favorite, what was your favorite field trip as a kid? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, we didn't, I don't think I did a whole ton of field trips for my schools, really. I think I did, I think I went on a field trip maybe to the Bronx Zoo once in middle school. Oh, fun. When I was here, when I was in elementary school, we didn't, we did, um, we did a field trip to the San Jacinto Battlegrounds. Mm. Which are just outside Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. where the the battle of um, for Texas independence and the battle against Mexico, mm. um, there was a big battle there where General Sam Houston, Houston's named after, right, um, and San Jacinto is where they defeated the Mexican army, and Santa Ana, the general, escaped dressed as a woman. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, my, um, we did, I mentioned before, I think, we did a field trip to see Care Bears movie. Mm-hmm. And we did a field trip to see the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. We did a zoo. We did a battlefield. And you're like, we went to this movie and that movie. <laughs> well, the, that was when I was very young. I think my favorite field trip was to this place called Art Park, which is in Lewiston. And it's not, um, it's not what it once was. But at the time, they had all these different art activities. You could you could do pottery, could do painting. You could learn um, how to make paper was one of them. It's a huge park. Now they mostly do like concerts and shows and stuff there. As a kid who was just really artistic and stuff, it's just a lot of fun. So. I thought you would have mentioned for field trip the place that I just brought you back to. The pioneer of it. That was my other favorite field trip was to Mumford, um, which is Genesee Country Village yeah. in Mumford, New York. And Steve and I just went back there and it was, um, it's really cool there. It has a museum, but then it also has like, it's like a living museum. It's like a town. It really is is big enough to be a town. They have different sections of this town. So part of it is like really early settlement. Mm -hmm. And that's like stick and daub type Mm -hmm. of um, Then you have kind of pioneer stuff. Then the pioneer period. Then the colonial period. Then gaslight. Then the gaslight district. Yep. um, Where we gaslit each other. And did emotional manipulate. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, they, they have a cheese maker, the tinsmith we saw. Um, the a potter. Pers- the potter. Um, sometimes they have a candle maker there. A, a blacksmith. Blacksmith. Um, and they do all these arts and crafts there like the way that they used to do them. Right. And um, and it's living history. You go and you can learn about all these buildings have been moved to this location, but most of them are original to the time period. And um, yeah, it's just really fascinating. Um, And I remember also rolling down the hill. (laughs) Um, But they they have a a big gazebo in the middle and they they kind of recreate like speeches from like the civil war period and the colonial period and things like that so um it's a lot of fun and we saw that they have camps there too which is nice for kids yeah so not too many memories of the show but lots of fun on field trips i think those are a nice way for kids to learn things in a much more fun environment than just sitting at a desk in a classroom a lot That's of times true. um and it makes it come to life which is kind of the point of the show So, let's get into our full review and recap. So, the first episode we chose... Actually, this was one that I chose as part of the dreaded What Will Steve Watch. The wonderful What Is Steve Watch. I chose The Magic School Bus Gets Lost in Space, which, come to find out, was the pilot. Yeah. From the 1994 season. Um, So, we watched that first. um, And that was... Basically, it was interesting because it starts... I I actually asked you, I was like, are you sure that's the pilot? Because it kind of starts, right, already where they've already gone on trips. Yeah, it starts in Medias Race so that they don't explain anything. No, it's like um, Arnold, one of the kids' cousin Janet, is mm-hmm. visiting and wants to see their field trips because he's told her that they're special. Right. Right? And you're, and, and she's like, well, how are they special? My, my school's the best. My teacher's the best. I get straight A's, right? Janet is the worst. Janet is really. I the wrote worst. it down four times. Um, and also, and also, um, yeah, I put Janet is obnoxious, but um, yeah, they've already been. I think that this is a ploy to kind of get kids to read the books. 
That was my take on it. And also, once again, as one of the things that I'm finding that I love about these 80s and 90s cartoons and kids shows is that they don't feel the need to explain anything. They're like, figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a lot of them, as we've talked about before, were done to pitch toys. So they're like, you know the toys. Yeah. And here they're kind of like, you know the books. Let's just jump in. You know Magic School Bus. Um, Although I thought it was interesting, we don't see Janet like in the other episode we no. watched. So I wonder if they utilize this still Janet visiting as being a stand-in for us. Yeah, like definitely. She's trying to figure out what this is about and who Miss Frizzle is and who the kids are, right? Yeah, it's a narrative device to kind of explain a little bit of... Right. Yeah. But they should have put somebody in that role that I liked. Okay. Not Janet. Before the, before we get into Janet, I know we had some internet problems while we were starting it up. This does have a great theme song. It does, yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting. Little Richard, it's a bop. It's been in my head since we watched the show. I'm like going around humming the magic school bus. Um, so, so after the theme song, we start with a model of the solar system. Yeah, the kids are building a model of the solar system in the, in the class because... That's what they're studying right now. And Janet's like, the solar system we built already at my school was so big that the sun had to be outside. And I'm like, shut up, Janet. (laughs) And also, what is wrong with the solar system? Pluto's still a planet. Well, it was at this point. This was before Neil deGrasse deGrasse Tyson Tyson messed it up. And ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hashtag Pluto's a planet. (laughs) That's true. I'm going to second that. So also um, a little off-putting, the the students in class call their teacher the Frizz. The Frizz is the best teacher. I don't like that. Yeah, that's a little weird. At an elementary level especially. Yeah, you're in second grade. Like I had some, like I had students when I taught high school that that sometimes just called me by my last name. Yeah. Yeah, some of them would call me Mr., but a lot of them would just call me by lap. And that was fine, but that's also you're dealing with, like, 16, 17-year-olds. Right. She's dealing with, like, third graders. Yeah. One semester, as a joke, I told my students they could call me um, Professor Cassidy or Megan or Oh Captain, My Captain. And, like, five or six of them straight up called me Captain the rest of the year. It was great. Um, So, at any rate... They go, they're taking a field trip to the planetarium. I always wanted to go to the planetarium. I didn't go until we went on our like second or third date. Yeah. So <laughs> Miss the, the, the bus gets to the planetarium and the planetarium is closed because the Frizz, as cool as she is, apparently doesn't plan well. No, I don't. She didn't call to make sure the day of the field trip the place was actually open. And also, we're just, listen, it's the 90s. We can just take a group of kids with no parental slips. Yeah, no, none, none of that at all. We you don't need what? to worry let's about go, that. Let's go, let's just go to the planetarium today. That was actually, I know that this is going to sound weird, but given what we talked about last week with the ABC after school specials, um... Yeah, a teacher basically, and this happens more in the second episode we watched, but a teacher basically encouraging kids to hide things from their parents and lie to their parents. <sighs> I get that it's supposed to be like fantasy and that this is something only the kids can experience, but I don't love that. Yeah, and it's really, and it's it's something, it's, it's still on the nose even now, so it's not really a great look. Yeah. But I guess as a cartoon... You know, it's like the Muppet Babies hiding 
Like, you know, something they're doing from Nanny, basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess you can see it that way. I just think, like, I don't, I think that a teacher asking kids to hide something from their parents is, like, a really dangerous territory. Yeah. So it just, as in a, that's a, like, that's me ruining my own childhood with adult goggles on, right? So the bus becomes a space shuttle. They start floating inside the bus because there's no gravity, right? And the first place that they go to is straight into the sun. Yeah, I was a little weirded by that. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) And then I realized they're starting in the center and working their way out of the solar system. Yeah, which made sense, but it was just Another thing I wanted to mention is once it turns into a space shuttle and it goes into space and heads to the sun... The kids all start to interact more because they're all given jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I realized, especially in 1994, what I liked is this is a very diverse class. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a lot of different ethnic group and things like that represented in the class, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool, as well as boys and girls. And so, you know, that was really neat, I thought as I was looking at it. And I don't know if that was the same way in the books. Yeah, it was because that was one of the things they wanted to do to make minority students and people of different races and ethnicities more interested in sciences. Yeah. So that's why they have like, they have some African American kids. They have some Hispanic kids. They have some Asian kids. Like they have like Middle Eastern kids, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we have, that's a good point. They all, they all know to put on their sun goggles. Like this has happened before. She says, make sure you have your... Did everybody put their sun goggles on? They're already on. Yeah. But this is the point where we start getting some fun facts and learning some science in the midst of this uh, field trip. Over a million Earths fit into the sun. Yep. Um, We can bounce around on Mercury and they learn a little bit about gravity. Right? Yeah, that's true. Um, We learn that Mercury is hot and dry during the day and freezing at night. Yes. Which is surprising, because I didn't think about Mercury being dry. I don't know why. Mm. I I didn't know it was cold at night. So I learned something today, Steve. Mercury is cold at night. Because it's it's not facing the sun at night, night, right? And then, yes. And then um, meteorites hit the planet, and so they learn about meteorites, right? And it's at this point that I write down again, (laughs) Janet's the worst. I was just going to say, because what happens here with Janet? Janet is, not only is Janet, I mean, Janet didn't believe her cousin Arnold when he said that there was some special field trips. Now she believes him, but now she's like, well, how are other people going to believe me? Yeah. So she starts trying to take keepsakes from each planet. Yeah. And she becomes crazy obsessed with it. I wrote that too. I have a note here that says Janet is obsessive and a danger to everyone. <laughs> wrote down i wrote down is she a mad scientist question mark um so she tries to dig up a meteorite on mercury to prove she was there right yeah then we come to venus and we learn that and this i didn't know that venus is the same size as earth yeah they're almost twin planets so it has similar gravity because of the size it does it has a denser atmosphere I think. Which they also talk about talk a little about, bit. Yep. Um, and I don't remember what she tried to take from Mer- from Venus. There's probably another rock or something. Yeah. Um, and then on Mars, there is soil that's red because it has iron in it. So it's the iron dust. 
Yeah, on the Mars. red dust on Mars. Um, and then also they talk about how it might have been more like Earth if it had water. Um, and then we go into, and again, Janet's like running around trying to get enough dust. And meanwhile, the poor bus, I love that the bus is like anthropomorphic. And it's like, because <gasps> yeah. it can't carry all this yeah, crap. Yeah, she keeps loading it up. And, and she's becoming crazy about this. Yeah. It's at this point that I write down, Janet is space crazy, like Steve Buscemi in Armageddon. Yes! Where he was riding the nuke because he yes. went crazy in space. I think that's Janet. Yeah, that is a lot. That's a very good comparison. Um, we come to the asteroid belt, and the map goes out because they're hit by a small asteroid. Yeah. But we learn about asteroids. But now they're like, we're lost in space! Yeah. And here's what's interesting to me. They have an act break, like there's going to be a commercial, but this is for PBS. Yeah. There are no commercials. Miss Frizzle goes outside to fix the map up from the outside of the shuttle and gets thrown off because who? Janet. Stupid Janet's trying trying to lasso herself an asteroid. Yeah, and when he says lasso, he really means she takes a rope, she makes it into a lasso, and she becomes like a cowgirl. Yeah. She's like, yeehaw, and tries to rope her up yeah. an asteroid. Also, centrifugal force doesn't work when there's no gravity in space, Janet. Well, you can call in to Malcolm Jamal Warner and let him know that later on. Um, so, but- the frizz flies off. But this is really interesting because... I see this, I, I noticed this in, a no, I, I watched another episode or two of this. Mm-hmm. I noticed this in a lot of episodes that Miss Frizzle kind of wants them to learn on their own as well. So in different places, she's very mysterious and doesn't give them all the information to let them do, like, there's a girl who always says, according to my research. Yeah. And there's another person who kind of leads the team. And then we have, like, um, Ralphie, who's featured in the second episode. Um, he's often, like, the voice of, like, communicating right. things or broadcasting things. Um, later on, there's Phoebe, who's like, at my old school, we didn't do this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so each one of the kids kind of has, like, a person, a little bit of a personality. Mm-hmm. Not too much, but a little bit. And they... Um, and that's what she does. She kind of goes away and she gives them clues. Yeah, so she gets thrown off the ship, but instead of going back, she tells her lizard. Now, let's we didn't even touch on this. She has a lizard that's like her sidekick pet, who's also wearing a space helmet. It's her familiar. Right? She has the Liz, Liz the lizard push her jetpack buttons so she can fly off. Yeah. Leaving... The kids in the magic school bus with no map in the asteroid belt. Right. Worst teacher ever. No, well, I mean, because it's encouraging them to think for themselves and do creative and critical thinking. Yeah, Miss Frizzle grew up in the generation where you threw a kid in the water to see if they would learn to swim. I mean, probably. It's Lily Tomlin's, like, 80s, so probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you're not too far off. And then she's like, but you guys have a navigator. Janet, because she already did the solar system and got A's. Oh, yeah. And Janet's like, yeah. And I'm like, no. And then she pulls out. You felt Janet was the person you're going to leave them in the hands of? (laughs) Yeah, it's really horrible. But it's to try to get them to work together. I kind of liked the mystery of it that she's trying to get them to figure things out. She gives them clues about the planets. So um, they go past Jupiter. Janet is manic, I put. (laughs) She's like, I have to get proof from Jupiter, and I have to get... Yeah. And they're like, whatever, Janet. She's like, I need some of the storm. And she gets it. She drives yeah. them into Jupiter. Yeah. to, to yeah. And almost kills them. Well, I mean, you know, 
while the Frizz is playing hide-and-seek in the outer planets, she left them with Janet. Frizzle, did you not get this memo? Janet's the worst. <laughs> Steve's fired up about this. Um, I will say this, that for a pilot episode, I don't think they should have used this one. Because Janet's so obnoxious, I think a lot of people might want to just turn the channel and not come back for episode two. Um, but at any rate... Saturn is kind of cool with the rings. They pass Neptune and they have to hold Janet back. Arnold's like sitting on top of her. Yeah. Arnold <laughs> buckles himself in on top of her so she can't get out. Um, they land final. Oh, and also um, they pass what they're calling Uranus. <laughs> yep. I didn't know that the rings went um, vertically. Yeah. Uranus has a has a smaller ring than Saturn does, like a thinner one, and it goes vertical, yeah. But I did, so that was kind of, for me, even as an adult, and this is what I found, like, when I was babysitting kids and this would mm. be on, that I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, there are things that you learn like that in third grade that you just don't remember. Yeah. You know, like, I might have learned about the rings. Or also her. that just aren't as well-known knowledge. Like, I right. was a space, like, planet geek as a little yeah. kid, so I, like, used to draw them and everything, so that's kind of how I knew that, but... Then they land on Pluto. Yeah, because they had to follow the clue in the riddle. Frizz, they're in the, they're out in space, and you're giving them riddles. Yeah, because they're learning. All right, so it's cold. It's dark. Learning not to trust the the authority. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> why that's why we are cynical the way we are. I guess we? so. Um, so it's cold. It's dark. She shows them the sun. It's like a very very far away dot, right? Um, and Janet. Again, ruins everything. The bus basically throws up or poops out, depending on how you yeah, see it. It empties itself because it's full of her garbage. Yeah, it empties all of her garbage out. And she's like, I can't leave this. I can't leave this. I'm not leaving this planet. And her cousin Arnold says, if you're not going to leave, I'm not going to leave. And then it escalates quickly, Steve. Because he yanks off his helmet all of a sudden with no warning. And he commits basically Harry Carey almost. He freezes. Yeah, he freezes like a popsicle. Yeah, and she all of a sudden goes, oh my gosh, no, Arnold. And she grabs him and jumps in the bus. She goes, we got to get him home right away. Okay, first off, that's not how space works, Janet. He's dead, okay? (laughs) You're not going to bring him back because you bring him to Earth. But secondly, I wrote down... Janet's the most selfish, obnoxious person ever, okay? Are we supposed to believe she would give a crap about Arnold all of a sudden? Well, she comes to her senses. She's endangered the class multiple times in space, okay? Now, all of a sudden, she wants to, she cares that Arnold has taken his, his uh, space helmet off? I mean, it's supposed to be like a crazy act of desperation that wakes her up, Right. But I agree with you. No, that would never happen. So at any rate, they come back. Uh, Arnold has a head cold, as you would. If you froze. Became a popsicle. If you were cryogenically and, frozen by the coldness of yeah, space. Yeah, and um, they and Ralphie makes some jokes about aliens. Um, and then we have the best part of the episode, in my opinion. Is it that Janet's gone? Well, Janet leaves, yeah. But then we have uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner takes phone calls. Yes. And all these people call in. Well, in, no, in this one, it's just, it's supposed to be like possibly the alien from Pluto. Right. Who points out all of the 
missteps. And they're like, um, excuse me, if somebody took their helmet off on Pluto, they would become a popsicle and they would die instantly. They shouldn't do that. Yeah. And also, they were too close to the sun. But it was, like you said, it was a learning opportunity. Yes. Right? Um, And kind of fun. So that's how the episode ends, closing out with all of those phone calls. Then we go inside Ralphie. Episode three of the same season. Yep. Magic School Bus Inside Ralphie. The best part of this episode, right off the bat. No Janet. No Janet. (laughs) No Janet. Okay, now here's the question that I have. Ralphie is really upset because today is broadcast day. I don't know what that means. I watched the whole episode and I don't... They mentioned they were going to broadcast on public television from their classroom. Oh, from on public television. You know, like you do. Um... PBS was really hard up for content, so they were just like, you know what? Let's just let let's just let some classrooms broadcast today. <laughs> yeah, I actually that actually makes sense. We had like our local. Um, remember, there used to be like local cable access. Mm-hmm. I took classes there to be able to produce TV for them. Okay. Um, and then I ended up going to school, back to grad school, so I never like did anything with that. But um, it was kind of interesting. And that's the kind of thing I think they would do. Like, hey, let's do a broadcast day where like different classrooms can broadcast whatever. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, they also, the only thing that, I mean, you could just kind of put whatever kind of little talk show. Like, the podcast that we're doing right now, we could have done on local cable access. Right. <laughs> like, the Between Two Ferns show with Zach Galifianakis. Right. Um, so, Ralphie is really, he wants to be, like, a radio broadcaster at some someday, right? Yes. He's, like, the class clown or class comedian. Yeah. So, he's upset. The class is like, we can't do this without Ralphie. Well, he was supposed to, he was supposed to write the idea down. He was supposed to come up with what yeah. they were going to do. And he is sick today. And his mom is a doctor. Yes. Which is nice female representation in the sciences, right? True. So she says, as your mother and a doctor, you are too sick to go into school today. My mom would have been like, if you really want to go that bad, you seem like you're fine. I knew kids who were like majorly ill. I don't think you can do this post COVID. They were like majorly ill, and their parents would be like, "No, you have perfect attendance, and you will go to school today." Get like into even school. even if you need to come out of school five five or ten minutes later, you're gonna get that perfect attendance. I never understood why perfect attendance was such a big deal. I don't know. I knew somebody who had perfect attendance for all of elementary school. That's sad. All that is is indoctrinating you to not miss work later in life. Yeah. That's all it's doing. When I was in high school, I used to take like a mental health, like a personal day. (laughs) Once a semester. (laughs) I had a very, I was like, at one point, I think I was in like 12 or 13 clubs. And I was like, I just need a, I just need a day off. Yeah. And I told my parents straight up, like, I didn't, like, pretend or anything. I was just like, I just need a day off today. And they'd be like, all right. <laughs> so, so the, cla- so the class anyway. is concerned they can't do this without Ralphie. Yeah. So Miss Frizzle's like, you know what? No problem. Everyone get in the bus. We'll drive to Ralphie's house. Yes. And then the class walks in his bedroom and just starts setting up cameras. While this poor kid is sick in bed with pajamas on. <laughs> 
so sick and tired. He gets more and more tired out as the episode goes yeah. on. This They're is a like, boundaries issue, Fritz. Yeah, and I want to just say, walk into a kid's bedroom. I want to say too, Malcolm Jamal Warner later on says during the phone calls that Ralphie's not contagious. I don't know about that. We didn't know that. His mom didn't run any tests. It's a bacteria, not a virus, apparently. But still, you can get a bacterial infection. And we didn't know that until we went inside Ralphie's body. Exactly. They were already in the room. Ralphie is coughing and sneezing over everyone in his class. Yes. So, he's also trying to hide things from his mom, who stayed home to be with him. Meanwhile, he's got his teacher and, like, 12 students in his bedroom. Yeah. And he's like, um, <coughs> oh no. And like they're watching in what can only be described as a being John Malkovich moment. He's watching them inside of his body on his TV. Yes, because they decide they get in the magic school bus and shrink down. Yeah. And go into Ralphie's body to find out what's wrong with it. So the first time they go in, I put in my notes over the lips and past the gums. Yeah. (laughs) Because they fly into his throat. And of course, he's got swollen vocal cords and then he coughs them up. Then they yell at him for coughing. (laughs) And he's like, if you have a particle, even a miniature bus, it is going to make you cough a little bit. And then one of the kids says, we're going to have to find another way in. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> through his ear canal. Or we could just not go in. I mean, they could have gone in through his ear canal or something, yeah. but no. Luckily, Ralphie goes, hey, I got a cut on my leg. And he pulls the Band-Aid off and goes, just go in the cut. Yeah. So they do. So they shrink again. And um, in the grossest scene is where they're talking to him from his leg. And you can see his leg hairs in the window. Yes. It's hilarious. Whoever does, whoever drew this really was a genius in the way that they laid things out. I noticed that even like the background scenes when they were like in space as mm-hmm. well. It's just really well drawn. As um, we mentioned before, it was kind of like inner space or kind of partially like here. It almost reminded me a little bit of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, a little bit. But just the animation's very good, mm-hmm. um, especially for a PBS show, you know, because they don't have always the best funding. So... He, uh, so they go into his bloodstream. We learn about red blood cells and white blood cells and platelets. Yeah. So that's fun. And then he hides everything except for his headset and Liz's tail. Because the lizard stayed with him to keep him company. Right. Um, so we have more white blood cells in his throat where the infection is. Um, and then the bacterial cells making him sick and then they're multiplying and the white blood cells come and they're battling and killing the bacteria and it's like wars inside his body yeah it's riveting it was i was on the edge of my seat yeah the bacteria multiplied the white blood cells then also almost kill the bus yeah they attack it yeah the, the white blood cells turn on the bus because it is an invader yeah it's not part of his body it's true and so Ralphie sneezes them out. Yeah. Um, and then they talk about how much his body is doing to try to protect him. Yes. That um, the the way that his blood flows, the fact that he's tired, so he needs rest, um, the way that the white blood cells work, right? All of that. Um, and as they're going away, he finally gets to freaking sleep. Yeah, Ralphie falls asleep, leaving the whole class still in his bedroom. Yeah. So they leave... And as they're going, one of the students says, 
We should do a whole broadcast series on Ralphie. Next time he gets a Charlie horse, then tennis elbow, then athlete's foot. Yeah. Gross. We could learn about fungus, though, mm. I guess. Um, but they uh, then we have the phone calls. Yep. And again, this time it's not one. It's multiple voices that call in and just kind of point out different things. Yeah. And they talk about scabs. They talk about him being infectious. Um, they talk about how not just bacteria could make you sick. It could yep. be a virus or a parasite or fungi or just your body mm-hmm. system. His mom gave him medicine at one point in the show. And somebody says, you know, kids just shouldn't take medicine on their own because it could be dangerous. Without an which adult. Which was really good, yeah. Yeah, that actually was good for really younger kids. And they're right? like, are you going to say that? And he's Mar- Malcolm Jamal Warner's just like, you just did. Click. Yeah. And he I'm just like, keeps hanging up on yeah. people. Um, but we learn also, they talk about the importance of taking care of yourself and they mention going to the doctor, getting your animal checkup, making sure you have all your vaccinations, which I think is interesting, um, that they're kind of like, you know, advocating for that, for kids to keep themselves healthy, right? And not kind of get into that situation or when they do get sick, it'll be easier for them, right? So that's basically the end of the second episode. Um, before we get into our rating, how was the show received in general? Well, it was received fairly well. Uh, in the first year it was there, it was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award. Oh, okay. In 1995, right, which would have been the end of the first season, mm-hmm. for outstanding graphics and title design. Okay. Um, it also was nominated for a USA Environmental Media Award. Oh, interesting. For a children's animated program. Um, in 96, it won a Daytime Emmy. Okay. Was um, that... Lily Tomlin. I was just going to say, was it yep. Lily Tomlin or the show? performer in an animated series. She really does a great job in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, they were nominated also that year for an NCLR Bravo Award hmm. for Outstanding Programs for Children for Youth. Um, they also were nominated... For three more daytime Emmys that year. Wow. Um, outstanding program, outstanding hairstyling um, for the Halloween special. Okay. And outstanding performer in animated program. So Milton Bur- Bur- Burris, right, got nominated for outstanding hairstyling. It's a cartoon. Yeah. That's um, odd. But out, again, Lily Tomlin was nominated that year. She gotcha. didn't win. And then in 97... Um, they also were nominated for a Television Critics Associated Award, also two more Daytime Emmys, um, and then in 98, they were nominated for an Alma Award. So really, for four seasons, they were nominated for quite a few things and won a Daytime Emmy. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's really good. They they actually, um, yeah, for such, and it's surprising to me also that this was such a short-lived show. Um, that it only had, you know, a couple of seasons because it was so popular. And I wish that, um, this probably went off the air around the same time Reading Rainbow stopped production that, you know, just TV was changing and PBS wanted to focus more on preschoolers and less on that, you know, elementary age. Yeah. And we talk about the reception too. It was received so well that it also led to, as you'd mentioned a few different things earlier, but it led to games. Oh, okay. A lot of video games, numerous video games were released between 94 and 2000. 
that were Magic School Bus, and they were advent- different adventures of the bus, and they were kind of an amalgamation between the book series and the te- and the cartoon. Yeah, I can see that because this would be a perfect like a Carmen San Diego type game. Yeah, on the I computer. Loved that game that was oh, my favorite game. We got to replay computer. that um, at, at some point and do an episode about Carmen San Diego. The old five and a quarter floppy. Oh my oh, goodness. Oh man. Um, okay, so how did we feel about it? <sighs> this is your first time seeing it. It was my first time seeing it. Um, I kind of dug it. I mean, we really, I was a little bit, we, I really was a bit cynical, especially because of Stupid Janet. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really was kind of a fun cartoon. It was like a fun show. Um, so, again, I don't have a lot of memories with it. So, it's kind of, I'm looking at it right now and judging it. Do you think it holds up for kids today? In some ways, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it does. Um yeah, there'd be some episodes, like, if they did something about computers that obviously wouldn't be the Yeah, same. and they did do an episode on compute. the bus gets programmed. Oh, okay. And one of the critics did kind of say it's it's something that, even by the time it came out, it was sort of outdated. Because mm. computers just jump ahead so fast. Right. But for the most of the I mean, like, the body and the solar system, right, besides the Pluto thing... Mm-hmm. Really, those things don't change too much. No, and you could have even said, you know, it sometimes it's considered part of the solar system, yeah. but it is a dwarf planet because yeah. it's small, and that's all you'd have yeah. to say. We could be like, Dr. Tyson says it's a dwarf planet because he can't come up with his own science, so he has to tear down Pluto. <laughs> I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I, I, it's interesting because I did enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Okay. Um, so I kind of remembered a little bit differently. Did I ruin my childhood? No. But I think the kids don't have as distinctive personalities as I would like them to have. So I think maybe it's because there's so many of them. And we talked about, like, it is a diverse class. But I think if you had, like, you know, four or five kids instead of, like, what, you could what focus seems more. to be. Yeah, because Arnold is nervous. One of the girls always does research. The other girl's always talking about how it's, you know, at my old school, we didn't do this mm. kind of stuff. But um, do I feel like I got to know, like, Wanda is the Asian-American girl. I don't feel like I got to know her. Uh, although, is she? I will say, we only watched two episodes, right? Yeah, I don't true. remember, because I didn't see them like you did. But, like, by episode th- four, three, which we're watching now, it was kind of focusing more on Ralphie. Like, I wonder, did they yeah. focus on some of the kids more particularly That's in other episodes? That's true. So maybe you got to know, like, one kid for each episode. Yeah. Like, we had one, the first one kind of focused on Arnold and his cousin. This one focused on Ralphie. That's true. I should give it a fair shake in that sense. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, the does it hold up the editing like a lot of these shows, tiny bit slow, um, but it's a PBS show as well. So that's right. not surprising. So the beats are just different from the 90s to today. But um, overall, it was enjoyable. And I did learn some things that I forgot with the space episode. And um, I did think it's fun and it's it's educational, but it is fun. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. All right. So... Seven and a half buses out of ten. Seven and a half buses for the show. That's a pretty good rating. Yeah. And four buses out of five for the snack. Um, so that kind of wraps up for today. But let's look ahead because now we have my favorite part. 
What is Steve willing to watch? Now, mm-hmm. Steve, coming up, this is a show that you picked. Uh, this is kind of not exactly Halloween, but it is a guy kind of dressing up and pretending to be different things. Yeah, this is the pretender. So next. we, yeah, so we put it in October before we get into like our real Halloweeny mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I'm gonna just read you a couple of the things that the pretender pretends to be. Okay, so give me the titles, right? No, because the titles are weird. Okay. So I'm just gonna give you the jobs that he's. Pretending that sounds to good. Do. I like that. All right, ready? Yes. Number one, Coast Guard. Okay. Number two, Test Pilot. Number three, Head of Security at a Las Vegas hotel. Okay. Number four, Impersonating an Attorney. And number five, uh, Becomes a Police Officer in Miami Beach. And number six, Takes a Job at an Infectious Disease Lab. Oh, wow. So, lab... Police officer, attorney, head of security, test pilot, and coast guard. Um, I'm going to go with test pilot. Okay, so that's episode three, Flyer. That's the only one where you okay. might have guessed it from the title. And I am going to go with um, episode eight, which is called Not Even a Mouse, where he pretends to be part of a coroner's unit. Okay. So that's what's coming up next is The Pretender After that, we have our movie selection, which is actually going to be a bonus episode. We're going to review Hocus Pocus. It's the beginning of October, yep. The beginning of October because the um, new Hocus Pocus, part two. Comes out in like a week. Yeah, it comes out in a week or so. So we're going to review Hocus Pocus for our uh, bonus and our movie selection. And then we're going to get into our... October spooky Halloweeny stuff. We're going to do the real Ghostbusters for our um, cartoon. And then we're going to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer for our TV show. And then, this is Steve's pick as well, Monster Squad. Monster Squad. The hit from the 80s. So that's what's coming up um, for our Halloween season. But Steve, Magic School Bus is our 40th episode. It is our 40th, yeah. And that means that we're 10 episodes away from our 50th episode. Our 50th episode spectacular. Yes. We're going to have an extravaganza. We're going to do something really different, and I don't want to give too much away. No, but it's going to be phenomenal and 50th episode worthy. And really a lot of fun. And until then, just again, thanks for all the downloads, the listens. We've got a ton of new subscribers. We're super excited about it. And we are coming on our 50th episode long before our year anniversary because we had a lot of bonus episodes in there. That's true. Um, So that should be coming out, I think, November? Yeah, I believe so. Right before Thanksgiving or around that time? Around maybe? that time, yeah. And um, and then we'll get into some Christmas stuff. So it'll be a fun uh, end of the year And we look forward to it. So until then, I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.